Maybe you've heard of the story about the guy who wanted to be a monk. And so he went to the monastery and, and he found the head monk and he said, I, I want to be a monk. And the head monk said, that's, that's fine. Here's the only deal, though. We, we ask that you observe a, a period of silence. So you, you cannot talk except for two words every three years. And the guy agreed, and he said, that's fine. And so three years came and went, and the head monk came to the guy, and he said, well, what do you have to say? What two words do you have to say after these three years? And the guy said, bed hard. So another three years passed. Head monk comes back to him after three years, and he says, well, another three years have passed. What two words do you have to say after these three years? And the guy said, food cold. Another three years came and went, and the head monk came to him again, and he asked him, okay, well, what do you have to say? What two words do you have to say after these three years? And he said, I quit. (laughs) The head monk said to him, well, it's not really surprising. You've done nothing but complain since you got here, so. (laughs) Some people are just like that, right? Do you know anybody like that? Please do not look at the person next to you. That's not a good way to start your day. Yeah, if we're honest, if we're, if we're honest, I know somebody like that, and I meet him pretty much every morning in the mirror, that we all can, can be like that, and we all have a tendency to kind of lean into grumbling and whining and complaining more than we do uh, giving thanks. One of the things that we talk about in our home, I'll just call it the struggle this time of year. Marcy knows what I'm talking about or what I'm about to talk about. My family loves Christmas. I, I, most of you love Christmas, and, and I do too, although I get a bad rap because for some reason I like Thanksgiving too. But in our family, we, we have this discussion. Our, my family is all about Christmas. And so the day after Halloween, my daughter's in the car turning to Star 105.7 because she's going to listen to Christmas music, you know, from November 1st through whatever day it is. Some of you are shaking your heads like, yes, I'm, I'm part of that, you know, that tribe. And so I'm, I'm good with that. I mean, we just put up our Christmas stuff because my parents are in town. We just put up our Christmas stuff on Monday, and I'm bringing stuff up, and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm loving it. I love all the movies, all the Christmas stuff we've been watching. I'm listening to Christmas uh, music. I love all that stuff. But we actually had one of Marcy's friends uh, from school over, and we were talking about this, this struggle that we, we kind of moved from Halloween, and we spent like a month figuring out candy and uh, you know, Halloween costumes, and then we hit November 1st, and we start into Christmas, and then somewhere in between, one day a year, we stop to eat and, and quote-unquote give thanks, and we give Thanksgiving like one day a year. And so we, we were talking about this, and she sent Marcy this picture of here's how I see it, October 1st through 31st Halloween, November 1st through 27th Christmas, November 28th Thanksgiving, oh thank you, we get one day, November 29th through December 25th uh, Christmas. Now, the, the title says no one is skipping Thanksgiving, but there's only one day in there for Thanksgiving, and even that day has been hijacked because now we don't just have Black Friday, but now we have Black Thursday as well, right? Because everybody goes shopping as soon as you finish eating. I guess part of that's a good thing because then you work off all the calories to a certain extent, but I, I just, I, I wonder though, I can't help but wonder if even though we say we're not skipping Thanksgiving, if it does kind of get left behind in the hustle and the bustle of the season. And I can't help but wonder if the, th- the same thing doesn't happen 
not just with the holiday of Thanksgiving, but with the attitude of Thanksgiving in our lives. Because just like the holiday, the giving of thanks and, and being thankful and having that spirit of gratitude can get left behind, not just in the hustle and bustle of the season, but in the hustle and bustle of our lives, that we, we don't stop long enough to really be thankful and grateful for the things that, that we have. Reminds me of the story of, of one little girl who they were sitting around the Thanksgiving table. It was Thanksgiving Day, and they were talking about all the things that they were thankful for, and, and she just kind of chimed in, and she said, why aren't we this thankful every day? Why aren't we this thankful every day? You know, we take a day and we go around the table. How often do we do that the rest of the year to give thanks for the things that we have? Because the reality is you and I don't just need a day of it, right? Nor do we need just a, a period of time of it. We need a lot of it. That's why the title of this series is Thanks A Lot. Now, I, I chose this for a couple of different reasons. One, you know, that, that, that idea of thanks... Thanks is more than just a word, right? It's an attitude. But you think about even just the word that we use. We, we kind of throw thanks around, not always in the most sincere and genuine of ways. I think about just the things that we might say, thanks a lot. Just the way you would say that, thanks a lot. Doesn't usually conjure up gratitude and thankfulness. It's more meant to say, yeah, thanks a lot. You know, as in, I'm not really thankful and grateful to you right now. Or, or a phrase, think about this. Thank God. Usually we use that in a term, a slang term, not out of thanksgiving, but out of relief over something that did or didn't happen. But, but hopefully our attitude, not just this time of year, but hopefully year-round is to be thankful and to be grateful a lot. And so what I want to do this morning and throughout this series, not sure if it's going to be three or four weeks, but I'm, I'm taking back some of December. And we're going to go into December a couple weeks, at least a week into December, and talk about Thanksgiving and talk about giving, giving thanks. And hopefully this morning, though, we can start to get in the spirit of Thanksgiving. And no, I'm not talking about the meal today. And no, I'm not talking about the holiday in a couple of weeks. But to get us in the spirit of, of giving thanks and being filled, not just with food, but with a thankful and grateful spirit. And when it comes to thanksgiving and, and having that, thank, that spirit of thanksgiving, the first thing I guess I would say uh, for us to understand is that God's desire is for our thanksgiving to be consistent, for it to be consistent, for us to consistently and continually be filled with thanksgiving, for it to mark our lives. When you read through Scripture, what you find over and over again is this call for us to give thanks, to be thankful, to, to be a people who are thankful, not just in the way that we feel, but in the way that we express that. The number of references to, to giving thanks and, and being thankful and having a spirit of gratitude is, is overwhelming. It, when you take them all together, just those, those references to being thankful and, and giving thanks or even the act of giving thanks, over 200 times in Scripture you find that command or you find that, that action being done. And he, that's not even including all the scriptures that talk about praising God and, 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 and worshiping God. All of those are part of the praise, the thanks, the, the, the gratitude that we show and offer to God. And so it must be pretty important. It must be something that ought to be a part of our lives. And it's not just something that we do, but it's a spirit that comes out of something that's overwhelming, that's... A, flowing out of our lives. I think about a couple of different scriptures in particular. In Colossians chapter 2, the Apostle Paul writes, So then, just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, 
Continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. Overflowing with it. And then in Colossians chapter 3, just a chapter later, he goes on to write, Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as, one mem- as members of one body you were called to peace, and be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms and hymns and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Literally, reference after reference I could give you. Be thankful. Give thanks. Give praise. Be thankful. Have a spirit of gratitude in your life. And we'll look at a lot of those scriptures over the course of of this But what I want us to get is that over and over again, as you read through Scripture, one of the things that becomes crystal clear is that our life in Christ is meant to be this this growing to the point of this consistent and continual thanksgiving that flows out of our lives. To not just have a little bit of gratitude here, a little bit of gratitude there, sprinkle it in a day out of the year, and we'll give it November 28th as it falls on the calendar this year. Okay, we'll take some time to give thanks. But for it to mark every facet and every season of our lives. The reality is, you are prone to overflow with something. Each of us is prone to overflow with something. Let me ask you, what are you overflowing with? In your life, what are you overflowing with? As Christians, we're called to overflow with thankfulness. Think about a quote by a guy named G.K. Chesterton. He said, you say grace or give thanks before meals. All right. But I say grace before the concert and the opera, grace before the play and the pantomime, grace before I open a book, and grace before sketching, painting, swimming, fencing, boxing, walking, playing, dancing, and grace before I dip the pen in the ink. Now, you may not fence or box like Chesterton, but the question we all have to ask ourselves is, am I overflowing when it comes to gratitude in my life? Or am I more like a leaky faucet? And maybe an even better question is, how can you and I get in a position where we're overflowing with thankfulness? Because you and I overflow with what we're full of. So what are you full of? Hopefully you're full of thanksgiving. And if you are, you're going to overflow with that. A lot of us are full of a lot of different things. I won't go there. Maybe I just did, I guess, a little bit. So how do you get in a position, not just to get full on thanksgiving, because we probably don't have a hard time doing that, but to get full of thanksgiving. How do we get in a position to do that? So here's what I would say. I I think one thing we can do when it comes to being consistent about our thanksgiving, you gotta be intentional about it. I've talked to several of you, like that's my word for the last couple of years is intentionality. You've got to be intentional about a lot of things and, and certainly thanksgiving is one of those things. Thanksgiving has to be intentional. And the reason it has to be intentional is because it doesn't come natural. You and I aren't naturally bent as human beings towards thanksgiving and praise. Now, some are better than others. I get that. But we're not naturally bent to be people who are the givers of thanks, which is probably not surprising because as parents, we've known this for a long, long time. Just look at our kids. I I was intrigued by, there's a book that's written by a lady named Margaret Visser, and and she says uh, in her book, The Gift of Thanks, she cites a study in which they take a large number of parents and children, and, and they studied how the parents taught their kids to say, hi, goodbye, thank you. 
And what they found in this study is that high, they said high without being prompted 27% of the time. So in in a social setting, without being prompted, the kids said hi to someone that they met 27% of the time. They said goodbye without being prompted 25% of the time. However, the children said thanks without being prompted 7% of the time. Some of you parents are like, yeah, that's my reality right now. They, on the other, flip side of that, parents had to prompt their children to say hi 28% of the time, to say goodbye 33% of the time, and they had to prompt their kids to say thank you 51% of the time. By the way, research, I also found this interesting. Research also suggests that grateful parents raise grateful kids. Now, that may not be surprising in and of itself, but the research as to why is what caught my attention. Here's what they said. They found that the more, parents, the more gratitude parents felt the more often they set goals to foster gratitude in their children. In turn, they placed their children in more activities that provided opportunities for gratitude, such as family gratitude practices and social service events, and their kids expressed more gratitude. These findings, the study says, suggest that both parents' intentions and their actions are important for how gratitude develops in their children. The point is not that Grateful parents raise grateful kids. It's that grateful parents are intentional about raising grateful kids. Does that make sense? There's a big difference there. We we make it intentional. We have to be because it doesn't come naturally. And God knows this, which shouldn't come as a surprise either. That's why you go all the way back to the Old Testament. You read in a book like Leviticus, which you probably haven't read Leviticus, a whole lot of you. But if you were to read Leviticus, what you would read in there is that God institutes these seven feasts for his people. And some of, you, some of you probably heard of maybe the Passover. That's one of the feasts that he institutes. That's when they left out of the land of Egypt, and, and they celebrate that every single year. But there were six other feasts that they would also celebrate each and every year. The Feast of the Unleavened Bread, Feast of the First Fruits, Feast of Weeks, Feast of Trumpets, uh, the Day of Atonement, and then the Feast of Tabernacles or Tents. Now, those names may not mean a whole lot to you, but it is an interesting study if you go back and look at them. And there's a lot of different reasons why they celebrated them. But one in particular was so that they would slow down and stop and be thankful to God for a specific event or action or thing that he had provided or that he had done. It was was for them to be intentional about celebrating and being thankful and remembering what God had done. You know, it's interesting. I was listening to somebody talk about it. He made a great point. He said, you know, in our culture, in America, we oftentimes party to forget. People party to forget. But that doesn't match up biblically, because biblically, people party to remember. As Christians, we don't party to forget. We party to remember what God has done and how he's worked. And, and, and that was God's whole vision for his people, to throw these feasts, to celebrate, to be able to stop and say, thank you, to remember what God had done and to give thanks for him. They were a way of training the people to be intentional about thanksgiving. And Jesus comes along, by the way, and what does he do? He he takes the Passover feast and he makes it a feast of his own, a feast that we know as the Lord's Supper, communion. We're going to celebrate that and worship in that in just a few moments. And what does he say? Do this in what? Remembrance of me. To remember so that we're thankful. And as Christians, we we don't celebrate, we don't party to forget. We celebrate, we we feast to, to remember what God has done. And even as we go into the Thanksgiving and, and Christmas time, sometimes those times are so frantic that 
that we do everything but actually celebrate what it is that we have and what it is that we've been given. We're too busy stuffing our faces and opening presents that we don't stop long enough to remember and to celebrate and to give thanks for who God is and what he's given to us. And so if we're going to grow in the consistency of our thanksgiving, we got to be intentional because the natural trajectory of your life is towards ungratefulness. That's just the reality of it. Or at the very lack, a, or at the very least, a lack of gratefulness where we're not intentional about it. And that's not just for for us as a culture in America, although it's probably accentuated, but that's just human nature. We just, our bent is towards a lack of gratefulness. And God says, you've got to be, you got to be intentional. Secondly, though, not only does God desire for our Thanksgiving to be consistent, but he also desires for our Thanksgiving to be persistent, to be persistent. That, that word persistent means to continue in spite of opposition, obstacles, or discouragement. So let me ask you, how's your Thanksgiving when you face opposition to being grateful? Do you still give thanks? How's your Thanksgiving when you face obstacles that hinder your ability to say thank you? How's your Thanksgiving when you face discouragement that leaves you feeling anything but thankful and grateful for what you have or for who you have or for what God has done? Far too often, if you're like me, I find that the only thing I'm persistent at is finding things to grumble and complain and gripe about. But God calls us to be persistent, not just consistent, but persistent, that we push through, that those hard times and those things that we may not always want to be thankful for, that we understand that they serve a bigger purpose, and we push through those things because we know that God is working, and God is moving, and he has, and he will, and he is. I think about a verse in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, and probably a verse that you're very familiar with, or at least somewhat familiar with. Apostle Paul writes, Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. If you're learning to be thankful in all circumstances, then you are becoming persistent about thanksgiving. Now, I also want to point out the distinction here, and you've probably heard preachers point out the distinction, so I'm probably not telling you new, but it's sometimes it's good to hear this information again and to remind ourselves. There, there is a difference between being thankful for all circumstances and being thankful in all circumstances. I, I like how um, preacher Tony Evans puts it. He says, God says to give thanks in everything. That doesn't mean you need to give thanks for everything. You don't need to give thanks for that bad day or for that bad relationship or for being passed over at work or for the financial hardship or for whatever it may be. The call is not to give thanks for the difficulties, but rather in the difficulties. And that's a very important distinction, he says, and one I think we often miss. Giving thanks in everything shows a heart of faith that God is bigger than the difficulties and that he can use them if you approach him with the right heart and spirit for your good and his glory. I love that. But I also love what C.S. Lewis says. (laughs) He says, we ought to give thanks for all fortune. Because if it is good, because it is good. Because it If it's bad, it still works in us patience, humility, and the contempt of this world and the hope of our eternal country. So either way you look at it, there's still a perspective. The point being that it's not to say that we don't, you know, that we we somehow ignore the the sad and painful uh, circumstances that we're dealing with or or that we don't um, feel some sort of grief and and frustration over what we're having to go through, that, that we don't 
ask God questions sometimes that we don't even doubt sometimes. It's not to say any of that, but it's to say that in the midst of those things, we look for a blesser and a blessing in the midst of our circumstances. Does that make sense? And so you, you may have all of this stuff going on, and it's not that you necessarily give thanks for it, although I love what C.S. Lewis says. We have a different perspective, but that we look for the greater good in it, and we look for the ultimate good, which is God himself. That's our purpose. That's our, our perspective. When I think about being persistent about Thanksgiving, I think about a story that Corey Ten Boom tells. If you're not familiar with that, you should really uh, read her book. I'm drawing a blank on what it is, but um, she's, she's got a lot of awesome stuff out there. But she tells the story about when her and uh, her family, they, they lived in the um, early part of the 20th century, and just before and, and during World War II, they were harboring Jews in their home. Well, Nazis found this out. They ended up arresting them, and they ended up um, taking them to concentration camps. And she went to, with her family, a concentration camp in, in Ravensbrück. And they took, their, took them to the concentration camp, and when they got there, the barracks were, were filthy, overcrowded. For hundreds of women packed in there was this rancid straw that Corey says just made them nauseous. Like it was, it was just disgusting. And to top it all off, the place was infested with fleas. So be thankful for what you have, right? But she, she tells the story that, that one day her and her sister Betsy were, were studying. They're reading the Bible. And they're walking through this passage in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. And they come to this, this verse that says, give thanks in all circumstances. And Betsy says, that's it. That's his answer. Give thanks in all circumstances. That's what we can do. We can start right now by thanking God for every single thing about this barracks, even for these fleas. Well, Corey looked at her like she's crazy. And she said, Betsy, there is no way that even God can make me grateful for a flea. Betsy replied, though, it says give thanks in all circumstances. It doesn't say in pleasant circumstances. Fleas are a part of this place where God has put us. And so they stood between the stacks of rancid straw and they gave thanks to God for the fleas. During the months that followed, what they began to find out is they observed how the Nazi guards would never enter their barracks, and they had this unusual freedom to preach the gospel, to read scripture, to pray publicly, to talk with these other women. That was one of the other things that Betsy, in the story, if you read uh, about Corey's book that she talks about giving thanks for just the, even the overcrowdedness that that many more ears would be able to hear. Well, what they found out is that the guards would not go into their room because they wanted nothing to do with the fleas. So the fleas is what was able for them to preach the gospel, to read the Bible, to share the good news of Jesus Christ with others. That really leads me to another point I think we need to remember when it comes to our Thanksgiving being persistent is that Thanksgiving is something we do, not just something we feel. I hope you feel thankful. But the call is not to feel thankful. The call is to be thankful. The call is to express and to show and to give thanks for what you and I have been given. Thanksgiving is not just something that we feel. It's something that we do. It's much easier to give thanks when you feel like it, right? It's much easier to give thanks when things in your life are going well, when you have what you want, when you have a, a, a feeling in your heart that says, I can give thanks. But the reality is that you and I can choose to give thanks whether we feel like it or not. 
you and I have the choice of whether we are going to be thankful or we're going to be complaining, regardless of what our circumstances may be. There are so many places in Scripture that call for us to give thanks. But what do you do when you don't feel like giving thanks? Because that's the question we have to ask ourselves and we have to deal with. What do you do when you don't feel thankful? What do you do when you feel like complaining and griping and moaning? What do you do? Because there's a lot of circumstances that we experience where it's hard to feel thankful. Fleas would certainly be one of them. Rancid straw that I'm sleeping on would be another. So what do we do? To my knowledge, there is no place in Scripture where you and I are commanded to have a feeling. There's no place in Scripture where you and I are commanded to have a particular feeling. Now, we may read certain commands in Scripture and think of certain feelings. Like you and I may, you you may think, well, aren't we commanded to love, right? But love's not a feeling. Love is a choice. Love is an action. Love is something that we do, that we choose to do. And you and I, we may not always feel like loving, but we choose to do it. We choose to go out of our way and express our love. You may not always have control over your initial feelings of love or of thankfulness, but you know what you do have control over? Your actions. You and I have control over our actions and over our choices, regardless of how our feelings may be at those moments. That's why you and I aren't commanded to have a feeling, but we are commanded to make certain choices and carry out certain actions. And here's the good news. You don't have to be thankful in order to give thanks. You don't have to feel thankful in order to be a thankful person. Oftentimes, I think we get the order wrong. Feeling thankful doesn't necessarily come before being thankful. You can be thankful and express your gratitude without feeling. I think sometimes we, we, we get this, and forgiveness is another thing that we get confused, right? So we think, and, and I'm not going to forgive this person until I feel like it. Some of you are thinking that or feeling that right now, and you will never forgive a person if you're waiting on feeling like it. Because sometimes you just need to do the action and hope that that you'll feel, well, not hope. God will bring your heart along. And and we need to trust him and obey him, and and then our actions will follow. It's like the old line I mentioned last week, one of the things that we talk about, one of the the lines in our our, um, culture is follow your heart, right? No, you, you need to pull your heart along or allow God to pull your heart along. Your feelings don't need to lead you. You can be thankful and then it trusts that God won't leave your heart behind in the process. And then finally, I would just say this. Thanksgiving is for now, not later. I've been thinking about the candy now and laters all week, just thinking about that. <laughs> now you're thinking about it. You're welcome. Thank you. No, I'm just kidding. Thanksgiving is for now, not later. Some, sometimes in, in our minds, it's, and we may not say it overtly, but it's easy to think, well, I'll be thankful if... If I just get this job, if I just marry this person, if I just have this house, if I just have this, and, or if that happens, then I'll be able to be truly thankful. And, and so often our thankfulness is tied to something that I, I'm trying to achieve or something I want to acquire or something that I need to attain. And I'll really feel grateful if I attain that or I achieve that. But true gratefulness isn't tied to something that you attain or that you achieve or that you, that you acquire in the future. True gratefulness is being aware of what you've been given right here, right now. 
Now, it doesn't mean you stop working towards a goal. It doesn't mean you stop pushing on. It doesn't mean you, start, you stop you know, pushing forward and, and having these visions and these, these goals in your mind. But it means you regularly stop and give thanks for what you have. Not what you'd like to have, not what you might have or what you hope to have, but what you do have right now. Even when you when what you have doesn't even feel like enough. You, you, ever, you ever there? To give thanks for what you have, even when what you have doesn't always feel like enough. Let me, let me give you an example of this. There's a story in Mark chapter 6, and it's in a couple of the Gospels as well, where Jesus is preaching to a crowd. It tells us in the passage, it's about 5,000 men, add-on women and children, probably very easily 10,000 people there, but at least 5,000 men. And so it's getting late in the day, and, and the disciples come to Jesus, and, and, and basically they, they just they, they say, you know, what, what are we going to do? It's getting late out here. We're out in the middle of nowhere. Let's, let's either send the people home or let's let them go into the villages to grab something to eat. And Jesus says to his disciples, he says, well, why don't you get them something to eat? And, and his disciples are like, well, first, we don't have enough money. I mean, Put, pull all of our money together. We still couldn't pay for all that food. And we didn't, we didn't plan for this. It's not like we planned for a Thanksgiving dinner. We're out in the middle of nowhere. Where are we going to get the food to, to feed all these people? And, and so Jesus says, well, what do you have? And so they say, well, we've, we've got five loaves of bread and a couple of fish. I don't know what kind of fish. That might make a little bit of a difference, but probably not. It's 5,000 people. And they give it to Jesus. And you remember what Jesus does? He has everybody sit down, and, and yes, he eventually does a miracle, and he provides enough food to feed everybody who's there with a whole bunch left over. But watch what he does before the miracle. Verse 41, taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to his disciples. Then he gave them to his disciples to distribute to the people. He also divided the two fish among them. Then they ate all, they all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 baskets full of broken pieces of bread and fish. And the number of men who had eaten was 5,000. It's so easy to think that giving thanks is for after the miracle. That giving thanks is for after God's provided. That giving thanks is for after God answers the prayer. Does that make sense? But giving thanks is for now, even before, even when what we have doesn't seem to be or feel like it's enough, you can still give thanks. Stop and remember what God has done. And here's the thing, when you put, your, when you put what you have in the hands of God, you can trust he's going to work a miracle. Because a little is a lot in God's hands, especially when it's everything you've got. Jesus gave thanks for the bread. And when Jesus is in the picture, there's always more than enough to meet our needs. I mentioned earlier that Thanksgiving takes some intentionality. But it also takes some thought too, doesn't it? That, that's interesting. The same root word for um, think and thank are the same. Because to, to stop and be thankful usually need, means that we need to stop and be thoughtful. But if you're going to stop and be thoughtful, then that means that you've got to slow down. You've got to have some reflection. In the famous words of Ferris Bueller, life moves pretty fast. 
If you don't stop and look around once in a while, you could miss it. So let me give you a couple of ideas. One thing I would encourage you to do, especially during this season, is just maybe to have a little journal of some kind. We'll call it a Thanksgiving journal. What a novel idea. And you just write down things that you're thankful for. Maybe it's a person. Maybe it's an experience. Maybe it's an event. Maybe it's something in your past. Maybe it's something in the future. By the way, by saying that Thanksgiving is for now and not later, that's not to say that it's not for later. I'm just saying it's for now. Don't wait until later. Do it now. But you can do it later too. But write some things down. Who are you thankful for? What are you thankful for? Maybe, here's a, here's a crazy idea. How many things can we come up with on our list of things we're thankful for in the next week and a half until we get to Thanksgiving? Or maybe see how many things you can get on your list before you get to December 25th and you're in the hustle and bustle of all the other things and you can give thanks for what you've already been given. Or, or, or maybe, you know, you, you get a communal board and you put up something like, you know, maybe it's a... a Nobody uses chalkboards anymore, but like a, um, a whiteboard. I was trying to think of the right word. And, and you just have it in your, in your kitchen or in your living room, and everybody in your family can write a thing down every single day or every couple days. What are you thankful for? Or maybe it's, you know, you, you write a thank you note to someone. Just write a thank you note for someone that they've done something. Not, just, not maybe necessarily specific, but just say, hey, I just want to say thank you for who you are and what you've done. Or even, here's a novel idea, you actually go up to someone and say, thank you. Something as simple as that. Whatever it is, do something. Be intentional about the consistency and the persistency, that's not even a word, persistence of your thanksgiving. To grow in those things. Because we spend far too much of our time whining and complaining and griping about this or about that. And we all need reminders of the ways that God is working in our lives. And who knows, by the time we get to Thanksgiving, we might actually be able to have one. Not just on our calendar, but in our lives. And so give thanks. A lot. Because we could all use more of it.